This is a special episode of the Brand Vibe podcast from me, Nicole Nieves, your host, who is a mom first, CEO second. There's no intro in this episode, no fancy music, no commercial interruptions. This is just from my mama heart to the world talking about an egregious and unjust attack on my 14-year-old son. While I've been hesitant to even share my heart vocally and put into words all that's happened to our family, we've realized over the past two weeks how important it is for us to share our message, how important it is to really, frankly, be a voice for so many who have not had a chance to stand up for their kids who have gone through similar situations or their loved ones. You know, as a mom, as a woman of color, as a mother to three Puerto Rican boys who, frankly, all have very different skin tones, very different facial features, hair features, it's been really important for me to explain to our children how we are different as a minority race coming from a Puerto Rican family. We're not ignorant to the fact that racism, racial profiling, and risks associated with being a minority and being different are very real, especially for boys. And yes, it affects girls too, but especially for boys. Parenting is already hard. I mean, when you figure it out, your kids enter a whole different stage and you're like, yep, no idea what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> Laugh about that all of the time. Like just when I feel like I figured out or mastered a stage in parenting, they enter a whole new world. And my kids right now are at a stage that requires more in-depth conversation, more intense conversation, more serious conversation. And their race and how they're treated as a result of their race and the risks associated with their race, how they treat others based on their race, all of that is really important for kids that are in this age, frankly, of I'd say probably middle school, but we started talking to our boys around fourth grade, frankly. So from, you know, fourth, fifth grade through eighth grade through high school, especially it is really important to have these tough conversations and they're hard. They're so hard because you don't want to instill fear in your children, right? And you also don't want them to feel like the features, their skin color, their hair, their facial features, the things that make them so gorgeous and beautiful, that really make them unique and distinct, that set them apart, that are exactly how God meant them to be, that these are things that they should want to change or look down upon or feel like you know, embarrassed by. It's the complete opposite. But you also, unfortunately, if you're a minority parent, you have to teach them the risks associated with that when people don't see it for the beauty that it is and when instead they see it as a threat. And so we've had these discussions with our boys time and time again. And when everything happened with George Floyd, especially, that was a time where my oldest was just entering middle school. I mean, he was entering sixth grade and we were like, gosh, this is a time where he's really getting to this age where he wants to go places with friends. And we live in a very affluent suburb with primarily Caucasian neighbors. So making sure our kids know, like, you have to be that much more conscious and above reproach because of how you look than any of your friends may even feel like they can. They might feel like they can get away with silly things. You can't. And here's why. And so these conversations are not easy to have, but they are necessary. And so we have had these over and over again with our children. It's been such a delicate balance of respecting authority 
and really valuing people who dedicate their life to law enforcement because we have friends and family who have done that and it really is just such a hard job to have and it's such a respectable position and we really want our kids to have that level of respect for authority but there are a lot of people who abuse their power and so really teaching them to respect authority in that way but also to be protective of their bodies and of their hearts in the event that they are ever on the side of being targeted or on the side of being wrongfully accused of something. But talking about it is one thing. Actually experiencing it is a completely different scenario. So when my phone rang on July 1st at 5.35 p.m. and I saw it was my son, my 14-year-old son who had been with friends earlier that day. He had went to the gym with some friends in the local neighborhood and they had walked over to Chipotle to get some food. So I knew they were in what's known as Uptown. It's kind of like the downtown area of our city here in Park Ridge. I picked up the call thinking maybe he made some plans with some friends, wants to do something later, is kind of calling to check in with us, ask for permission. Instead, all I heard was a child bawling in hysterics like hard for him to even get the words out. And my heart is breaking, like breaking as I'm hearing him try to say these words through his tears. And immediately one of his friends grabs the phone, clearly hearing that was distraught and says, Mrs. Nieves, I promise we'll explain everything when you get here, but can you please come pick up at the Starbucks as soon as possible? You guys, my mama heart is just breaking at this point, but it's like instinctively, I knew that something serious happened. I had no questions, no words, wasn't trying to decipher the situation on the phone. My response was absolutely, I will be there as soon as possible. Grabbed my keys, raced out of the house, left dinner on the table, didn't even tell my husband. We had two other boys in the house. I knew we couldn't all leave together and I was just trying to get there as quickly as possible. So get in the car and I immediately start praying, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but whatever it is, will you be with him? Will you comfort him? Will you help me to be in the best position that I need to be when I'm there? Help me to be controlled. Help me to be calm and as much as I can. I call my husband. I tell him what's going on. I tell him I'll keep him posted as soon as I know. And I'm racing down the street. I mean, at this point, like, I, it doesn't even matter if I'm speeding, I'm hitting red lights, I'm making left turns when I shouldn't. All I'm thinking is whatever's happening, there's probably cops where my son is. These cops could follow me over to the destination and they could help tell me what's going on. I just need to get to my son. So as I get closer to the Starbucks, the traffic is backed up. I can't quite get through. And I see so many lights in front of me. There's a fire truck. There's like six different police cars. And I'm like, holy crap. I know he's physically okay, right? He, he called me. So he's physically, I think, I think maybe okay enough to call his mom. I just need to see what's going on. So I race over, find my way around. I park the car and I just beeline straight over to my son. And I am walking through what feels like a hundred people crowd. Everyone's staring at me, like everyone's eyes towards me. There's like six different cops around. And I see my son bawling in a corner, surrounded by his friends. I see cops just kind of standing there looking like, you know, they're assessing the situation. And he sees me and immediately just like runs into my arms and just cries like just cries on my shoulder 
and my heart is like breaking for him and I'm thinking the worst, right? I'm thinking to these tough conversations we've had with the kids. I'm thinking, was he targeted? I'm thinking, did he actually do something? Did a friend do something? And he's got, you know, got pinned for it. And the reason why my eyes are on him is because no other kid is crying. No other kid is in hysterics. Literally everyone is surrounding my son. Everyone is looking at him like he is either the culprit or the victim in the situation. I don't know what's happening. And I look over at the cops and I'm like, hi, I'm, I'm his mom. Can you tell me what's going on? And their response was, we don't know. We're trying to figure it out ourselves. And I'm thinking, you don't know. I mean, there's six police cars around here. There's so many of you guys standing around. I mean, clearly this had been going on for who knows how long before I even got here, but you don't know. And then I see this video, this video that has since been circulated online. It has over 14 million views on TikTok alone with over 112,000 shares, over 1.6 million on Instagram with over 200,000 shares. The virality of it has gone worldwide. People in Australia, Ireland, Canada have seen it. The first media outlet to pick it up was TMZ, and they showcased it nationally. And ever since then, it has been across so many different households. You may already have seen the video. If you haven't, you can head on over to our show notes. There'll be a link over to it. You can go to TikTok at the Nicole Nieves or go to my personal Instagram at the Nicole Nieves. You can see the video there as well. But as a mom arriving on the scene, not knowing what's going on, I see this video from one of the boys that were there, one of the friends who showed me, and my heart breaks into a million pieces. My son was attacked. He was pinned down. He was scared for his life. He was gasping for breath. He was worried that he was going to die. He had friends that had to step in and be the adult in the situation. He was being falsely accused of stealing a kid's bike when he had his own with him the entire time. He had his own orange bike with him, but he was experiencing this unjust, unprovoked attack over an allegation that he stole a bike. It was too much for me to bear. The person who did this, turns out he's a Chicago police sergeant. He was not on the scene when I arrived. He was at the police station, but we never saw him. His name has yet to be released to us. I'm looking at this video and looking around to what feels like a hundred people. And my son is very clearly the darkest skin complexion there. Pretty much the only minority in that entire area. He is Puerto Rican, but if you know Puerto Ricans, we're a beautiful blend of African-American, Spanish, and Taino Indian. So we have a lot of different features. There are Puerto Ricans that are blonde hair, blue eyes. There are Puerto Ricans that are 
really dark skin and Afro hair. And my son happens to have dark skin and Afro hair. He has beautiful curly hair that's just really big. He has dark caramel skin that I am so jealous of. He is very clearly the minority in this area. Very easy to target, very easy to take advantage of. He's also smaller in stature. He's 14 years old. He's growing, but he's, you know, around five feet. And he's being manhandled by an adult held face down on the hot concrete floor. An adult who's using the force of their body to pin him down. His hands are behind his back. His bike is thrown over to the side. This adult's knee is pressing in on his rib cage, pressing in on his lungs, all over the alleged theft of a bike. You're telling me that you went after the only kid in this area that had his own bike and accused him of stealing your son's bike? Now, I know that it's really hard for people to watch this video and see the abuse of power of authority and think that my son is innocent. It's so easy to try to logically assume that he must have done something to deserve this. Sure, the adult used excessive force, but you know, your son probably did something, right? Because logically, why would any adult do this? Why would they attack for no reason? Why would they just assume it's got to be your son. Let me first say that regardless of whether or not my son stole this bike or touched it or even freaking rode on it, there is zero reason for an adult, for a Chicago police officer who was off duty at the time, but acting in his authority to have used such excessive force. My child posed no threat. He had no weapon. He did not vocally assault anyone. So to act outside of your jurisdiction, you are a Chicago police officer. And this event occurred in Park Ridge, a completely different city, and then jump to a conclusion that you do not know to be true and then choose violence, physical action over ever using your words is beyond me. You should know better. Any child should know better. Any adult should know better. And a Chicago police sergeant sure as hell better know better. So regardless of the circumstances, for any reason other than self-defense, you do not lay your hand on a minor. As an adult, you don't do that. Now, beyond that, anyone who knows our son knows how well-respected he is towards adults, how welcoming and inclusive he is towards kids, how kind-hearted he is. He has a million-dollar smile that will melt all of the hearts, but beyond that, he's incredibly intelligent. He's been in advanced classes since he could speak. He's a three-sport athlete. He plays basketball. His heart is set on football. He loves being a running back, wide receiver, and his heart is set on the NFL, and he runs track. He also is very involved in his youth ministry. Like You, you could not pick someone who has a stronger character than my son to have attacked on that day. And sure, you could say that I am super biased as his mama. And yeah, I am damn proud of the person that my son has grown to be and is continuing to grow to be. And I'll continue to be his best defender and shout his accolades from the rooftop. But it's not just me. Since this event has happened, teachers, 
coaches, pastors, friends, family, neighbors, anyone who has ever interacted with my son has come out and spoken nothing but positive things on his character and how much of an impact he has made, how much of an impression he has given, how much influence positive influence he has had. It's not just me. It is literally anyone who ever knows my child. Listen, no kid deserves this, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their age, their gender, their stature. No one deserves this. But I want you to understand the character of my son to truly feel, relate, and connect to how broken our hearts are having seen this injustice happen to him. Because this is so much bigger than just my son. This is your son, your grandchild, your nephew, your neighbor, your friends. This could literally happen to anyone. If this happened to my son, this could happen to anyone. And if we continue to allow those in authority to feel like they are immune to consequences, to feel like they do not have to face any level of accountability for the abuse of power that they have, for any racial profiling or targeting that they may have towards people, for any excessive force that is used towards our youth or towards other individuals. If they continue to get away with this, then your child's next, your neighbor's next, your grandson's next. And I don't want that for you. This has been the hardest thing we have ever experienced as a family in our life. And that's that my son is alive. That's that my son is here. He's breathing. We have him. Thank God. There are so many families that my heart breaks for that don't get to say that. And yet my son is here and it still is breaking our heart into a million pieces to know that this experience is going to shape who he is for the rest of his life. It's something he has to mentally overcome every single day, something he has to relive every single day. How is he going to trust authority at this point? How's he going to believe that the people that are there to protect us, who took an oath to serve and protect our society, to protect him, are the very people that jump to conclusions and assumptions and choose violence and attack and abuse of authority for no reason other than they think they can. They think they can get away with it. They somehow, in a twisted way, think that they are justified for these actions. And even if they're not, The audacity and arrogance of doing it anyway just shows how much they feel they're untouchable and they will continue to be untouchable if we don't do something about it, if we're not vocal in our fight for justice, if we don't hold these people accountable for their actions. This video has been viewed around the world over 20 million times at this point across every media outlet you can think of in both English and Spanish. This is a poster child case for whether or not Chicago Police Department is going to hold their own accountable, for whether or not the authority figures who are meant to protect our youth are actually going to take their jobs seriously and not abuse their power. If we let him get away with what was done to my son, what's stopping any other officer from doing it to yours? We've seen video evidence that our son is completely innocent. And we have to bite our tongue and be patient in trusting the process that the state's attorney's office of Illinois 
will do their job and hold this officer accountable. But as of right now, two weeks after the incident, at the time of recording this podcast, no charges have been filed. Investigation is underway. Interviews are being had. Yes, the state's attorney is involved, but we have no charges yet. And we have no promise of charges. We just have speculation and investigation. We have due diligence that's being done in order to even determine if charges will be had on this guy. Not that there was ever any doubt in my mind, but our son did not steal this bike. In fact, he did not do anything to deserve this level of force or abuse, to deserve any force or abuse to be held against him. In due time, the evidence will come out and the people will continue to feel outrage over the attack of my son on the assumption that he allegedly stole your son's bike when in fact he had nothing even remotely close to do with it. This Chicago police sergeant was out of uniform. What would have happened if he was in uniform, if he had a weapon on him? if he felt he was in his right and his power to treat a child this way out of uniform, how much worse could this have been if he was in uniform? I don't even want to think about where our family would be if that was the case. He's a sergeant leading other officers, leading by example. This is the force that you take when you feel wronged, you turn to violence, when you're angry, you resort to abuse. When you're upset about something, you resort to humiliating, demeaning, and pinning down a minor. That's the example that's being set for other Chicago police officers as a sergeant. And if no accountability is held against him, that's the example of acceptance that will be given to millions of officers across our nation that they can get away with mistreating our little brown boys and black boys, and yeah, maybe even white boys. Not in my town, not in my city, not in my state, not in my nation, will I allow injustices like this to occur silently. We will speak up about this matter, as hard and as difficult as it is to relive the situation over and over again. We didn't ask to lead this movement. I have so much respect for the activists that are out there fighting daily for the rights of black people, brown people, minority people, for standing up against abuses of power towards our youth, towards our next generation, towards our future. But I will be the first to say, like, I, I would not categorize myself as an activist. And I don't believe that everyone has to be an activist and has to fully dedicate their lives to that cause in order to stand for racial justice, in order to be an ally for others, in order to treat others with respect and with love and with care. I run a full-time business in marketing and branding. I am a mom to three boys. My husband works in tech. Everyone has a different feeling a different industry that they can be dedicated to, but it's our jobs to also make sure that in how we're living our daily lives, that we do it with the utmost respect and that when we see injustices, we stand up, we say something, and we fight together as a community in whatever cards are dealt our way. But I don't have to categorize myself as an activist to use my platform. 
to get the message out in any way that I possibly can. You know, I'm recording this on my business podcast, The Brand Vibe Podcast. The Brand Vibe is a company that I started two years ago to help empower and equip anyone with an expertise that they wanted to share, a voice that they want to be heard, a leader that wants to effectively build their brand and change the world by making sure they're seen, making sure they're heard, making sure they're respected in their crafts, in their values, in their mission, in their vision. My heart for my business has always been getting more money in the hands of women, more money in the hands of Latinas, more money in the hands of minorities who have so much value to give and so much of an impact to make on this world, but so often overlooked and undervalued in a traditional nine to five. Nothing bad happens when more money is in the hands of women, when more money is in the hands of black indigenous people of color. When more money is in your hands and mine, we get a chance to be vocal like this. We get a chance to build platforms. We get a chance to network and to make connections in a digital world that allows you to be seen and heard globally for such a time as this. That's what I have to believe, that all of this has been happening for such a time as this, for our family, for my business, for this platform, to be able to leverage things like a podcast, like our email list, like our social media accounts, to be able to communicate the egregious, unjust, violent actions against our son. Why else do I have a business that teaches people how to build and create a personal brand, if not to use it for exact moments like this? You hear me talk a lot about building lifestyle brands, lifestyle businesses. I really help people to be able to build their own business, create their own financial freedom and future so that... They have the ability to live a life they're proud of now, not someday. The clients we work with, the students that take our courses and programs, their mission is to build businesses around their life so that they can be more present parents, so that they can go after more heartfelt missions, so that they can create a bigger impact, and so they can live their life now, not someday. For me, for right now, for this season... I'm being called to fight for the people in my life that matters most. I'm being called to use my platforms to raise awareness around injustices that have happened to our family and to so many others like our family who don't have a platform to share it, who didn't get the act caught on video to go viral online, who didn't get justice where they are. It's both disheartening and heartening to hear stories of so many people who were like, gosh, that happened to my son. And we got nothing out of it. That happened to me when I was a child. This is normal. This happens every day. But it doesn't get caught on camera. But it doesn't get the awareness that this other one is getting. So fight. Fight for us. Fight for our rights. So many people who say they see their son and my son. And their hearts break just seeing the tears in his eyes. Hearing his voice crack and break and say, get off me. Get off me. Gosh, why does a 14-year-old ever have to say those words to a police authority figure, get off me? That should never have to be something that our youth faces. 
But the truth is this happens every day. And the sad reality is that the majority of the time they get away with it. The majority of the time they're not tried at all. There are no charges that are made. The majority of the time police officers that are charged very rarely even get convicted of those charges. And sadly, it's rare, even in cases of death, that they're held accountable for their actions. So you might look at the story and say, this makes no sense that there would be no charges against this guy. It makes no sense that he wouldn't actually be convicted of anything. I mean, there's video evidence and proof of his abuse of a child. I mean, can I just walk into a Starbucks right now, take a 14-year-old kid and say, hey, kid, you stole my phone. I'm going to tackle you now, hold you down, pin you down, and make sure that the cops know that you're the thief. And I wouldn't be arrested for getting physical with a 14-year-old? Like in any other case, it's slam dunk. In this case, it's an uphill battle. I see so much of God's hand of protection over this situation, over my son being alive right now, over the fact that someone did catch it on video, over the fact that his friends used their voice to stand up for my son. They literally lifted him up from this guy. I can't even begin to think what would have happened otherwise. In so many ways, they may have actually saved his life. And just over every single thing that has fallen into place post this event, to support our fight for justice, from the virality of the videos to the media coverage to the counsel that we have retained and so much in between. So my husband and I, our family, we're standing firm. We get that unfortunately, it's going to be a rare exception if this man is actually held accountable for his actions. But we are trusting that that will happen. We are believing in faith that there will be accountability, that justice will be served. We are using our voice, our platforms to amplify this story. And we are asking that you do the same. Please don't let this be something that just turns into yet another unfortunate event that happened to some kid. My son experienced the absolute worst in this situation. I want him to see the best that can come from it. And we've already been feeling that with an outpouring of support of strangers online, of people like you who are listening to this message and reaching out to us and saying you're standing with us in whatever city you live in, in our town, in our community, and photos that we're seeing online of people who are choosing to tie orange ribbons on trees to represent that they stand with us. Orange representing the color of his bike, of the shirt he was wearing, and it just so happens to be the color ribbon that the United Nations uses for their International Day of Elimination of Racial Discrimination and Cultural Diversity Awareness. Go figure. We will not let this go quietly. And we are so grateful for so many of you who are choosing to stand with us and vocally say, not in my town. Not in my town will we allow this to happen because you guys, how do we eat an elephant? one bite at a time. I can't say not in our world will there ever be racial discrimination, but we can take a stand in our town right where I am in Park Ridge, Illinois, to where you are in whatever part of the world you're in. And if enough of us can do that, can take a stand and say, we will not tolerate this here, then maybe, just maybe, the message will start to continue to grow outside of our towns, in our states, in our nations, in our world one day at a time.
That's literally our motto here. We are dealing with the situation. We are standing up for justice. We are trusting in God's timing of it all. And in the meantime, we're using our platform in every way we possibly can to continue to take a stand and say, not in my town. Will we allow this to happen? Will you join us? Will you share this podcast with others? Will you share it on social tag at the Nicole Nieves or at the brand vibe and use the hashtag not in my town. You can also head on over to www.notinmytown.co.co. That's www.notinmytown.co to be aware of the latest updates. You can also join our email list. We're going to be sending email updates to people who want to know the latest on what's happening, how they can stand with us, how can they support our family, initiatives, organizations to get behind. There's also a graphic that is available to you that you can download as well, not in my town, also in Spanish. And me see you that? No. We want you to have access to all of these because we want you to take a stand with us. I am so grateful for you listening, and I'm so grateful for you continuing to stand and support our family. The fight for justice continues one day at a time.